Say it again, the process of transformation. Uh, we said that transformation is God taking you from one side of living, one side of living, which is, and, and thinking, which is carnal, carnal thinking and living, to the other side of thinking and living, which is spiritual. So say from one side, carnal, to the other side, spiritual. So transformation is about God dealing with you on the inside, how you think and how you live based off of that thinking. And God starts a process of working on your mind, which in turn helps your life to become different. A lot of people have, have, have tried their best within themselves to change their lives. Self-help. Trying to change them to be better. I just want to be a better person. I just, want, I just want to be a better Christian. I want to be a better individual. And that doesn't happen outside of transformation. Right. Transformation has to be the thing that brings the change on the inside so that there can be change on the outside. Right. All right, so we said, we said the transformation is a re, is, has to do with a reshaping and rearranging of your life and your mind. So God, is, God, is in, God has been in the process for the last at least two weeks or so in this uh, transformation area of starting a process of changing how we think, how we view situations, how we view ourselves, how we go through situations and issues. One of the things that, that I know that God has been speaking to me about personally is how we think about trials and testings. How do we deal with trials and testings as Christians? It is a part of our our, our Christian makeup to go through trials and testings. In this life, you will have tribulation. You're going to have to go through situations that are not uh, what we call favorable. You're going to go through that. But he says, be of good cheer. How can you be of good cheer when you're going through all of this stuff you're going through? He says, because this, this, is, how you, this, is, how you, this is how it happens. He says, because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world and you're connected to me. So we've overcome the world. Let me say that again. I've overcome the world. You're connected to me, so we've overcome the world. If you're connected to God through Jesus, within you, embedded within your spiritual DNA is the overcomer. Most people don't lean on that part of our DNA. We lean on the carnal side of our DNA because we haven't been transformed. So our thinking and our living is different because, our, because we're not leaning on the side of our DNA that, is, that has overcome it in it. So a lot of times what we do is we, 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 we give over to the murmuring and complaining more than we do the overcoming side. Why? Because it's easier to complain. Please, y'all say amen because I know it's true. It's easier to be like, you know, I just don't like it. I just don't feel it. I don't know. It's easy to do that. It's much more difficult to say this is not favorable, but I'm going to make it anyway. Because when you, when you say that, you don't get sympathy. Ooh. You don't get sympathy. And if you live for sympathy, you're always going to be in a place where you are complaining about life, complaining about situations, and God never changes the situation. He, it, you're going to have to stay in it to grow. So how many of us want to grow in God? How many of us know that you have to grow? How many want to grow? Well, get ready for trials and tribulations. <laughs> It's a part of our life and DNA. But in, in the tribulation, in the trial, you don't have to fall apart. You don't have to go under. And every day you don't have to pray, Lord, take me out of this. There is a, there is a sweet spot in the trial and tribulation that has been prepared for you called I have overcome. 
is right there in it, but you got to get in it, uh, you got to get deep enough in it in order to experience it. When you're going into a trial, your faith is high. Woo! Lord, I love you. This is, oh, I'm going to make it out of this thing here. God gave me a word. But when you get around about uh, like two feet in, you're like, wait a minute, God, I don't, I don't know about this. Then you get a little further and you be like, Lord, I'm tired of this. I don't like this. Take me out of this. This is not good. I don't know. And then you get halfway in it. That's when you like start having fits. Why I got to be in this? Why do I have to be in this? You said you love me. You said you care for me. And that's the place where he's expecting you to trust him. To lean on him. To get the download so you can make it out of this thing. A lot of people have been stuck in the same trial for 20 years. You're bored in your spiritual walk with God because you're looking at the same thing. You ain't fighting no new devils. You ain't fighting nothing, nothing new. You fight, you've been fighting the same thing for the last 10 years because you won't trust God enough for him to equip you and to transform you so you can come out of this as pure gold. When he is finished trying me, trying me, try, testing me, when does a test come? When does a teacher give you a test? After you have been taught something. A lot of people miss the lessons and when it's time for testing, they, call, they, they say to God, unfair, unfair. This ain't fair. This ain't fair. This ain't fair. He's like, no, no, you missed class. You tried to catch this one on, you tried to catch this one on, on, on the Facebook Live. Forget it, I'll leave you alone. All right. So, to transform is to change in mind and character and heart. Say mind, mind. character, and heart. It means to swap out from one thing to another. So what God is trying to do is change your mind out from the mind that you, that you grew up with, the Johnson mind, the Crump mind, the Williams mind, the Torres mind. Come on here. All these minds, he's trying to swap that out for the mind of Christ. That's what he's trying to do in transformation. Then we said that transformation is a process. Somebody said that transformation is a process. Come on, say it again. Transformation is a process. We said that a process is a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. A series of actions and steps taken to achieve a particular end. So, so it's going to take steps. It's going to take actions. It's going to take all of these things that I'm going through right now in order to get me to an end in this so that I can say I went through a process. Any good cook knows that you do not, you do not just, you know, uh, and, and real, real cooks hate microwave food. A real cook. A real cook does not like microwave food. I'm just going to throw this in the microwave. This is, this is a Salisbury steak. and they just, <sighs> If you say that to a real cook, I'm going to eat mashed potatoes, and I'm, I'm going to have a Salisbury steak, and I'm going to have these, these, this corn, and I'm going to put this on for about 18 minutes. A real cook gets upset with you because, why? You haven't taken the food through the right process. It's a process. A, a real baker who makes it, Krista and all of you that, that bake and, and, and that kind of stuff, you know, uh, you can't bake a cake without, without putting all the ingredients in. Miss an ingredient, the taste is off. 
Amen? Amen. If you miss, if, if you, if you misdiagnose, this was, I thought this was butter extract. This is lemon by mistake. You put lemon in for butter, the whole thing is off. What a lot of us do is we go through trials and situations and we're eager to get to the end of it that, we, that when we come out, we're, we're not right. There's stuff missing in us that we should have had if we would have went through this. You should have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness by now based on the things you said you've gone through. Based on the things that you have come out of. But if you went through those things and rushed out of them, you look like a cake. But you definitely don't taste like one. That's a whole other day. And I say that for the married class. Hallelujah. Okay, so... Has anybody, in here, just, just, has anybody in here ever done something for a long time and it produced nothing? You ever just, I'm going to be committed to this. I'm going to lose his weight. I'm going to get in this relationship. Lord, I thank you. I feel like this is the right one. I feel like this is the one you're telling me that this is it. I got confirmation. I know this is it. Got in this thing. Maybe I'm starting a business. And you, 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 you now look back. Ten years later, and you're like, what happened? Ain't nothing moving. Nothing's happened. Nothing's moving. Yep, ever happened to anybody? It's been like, you, seem, you, you put a lot of time into things or people, and it seems like the return is minimal. There's, there, with that comes a level of annoyance. Level of frustration. Even anger that hits a person's life when they're trying to do something Somebody shout this word, productive. productive. And, and they've had results in the past doing this, but, but this time, nothing's coming. I'm producing nothing, but I'm giving everything. It's like, it's like it's, this thing is one-sided. Nothing's coming back, but I'm giving out all I have. There's always a series of events that leads a person to transformation. And for Peter, this is his leading to transformation let's walk through this keep your bibles open we're going to go verse by verse i'm going to deal with maybe four verses and we're going to we're going to end all right to make sure all right so so luke 5 verse number one and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of god he stood by the lake of genesaret and saw verse two and saw two ships standing by the lake but the fishermen were gone out of them. And here, here's the key words. And they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's or Peter's, and prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out and push out some from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from out of the ship. Point number one is that when and we're going to deal with transformation of this towards the middle of the end of this. But I, I want to build a case for this. Uh, whenever, you, whenever you're going to start to go through transformation, the first thing that's going to hit is a deficit. You'll know that, that, that transformation is needed because there's a deficit. And, and, and here's the point. The Lord has a plan to deal with every deficit in your life. Every place where, and we talked about this in our prophetic moment, every place where there's a longing, every place where it seems like I'm not making it to where I need to be, I'm giving everything, I'm not seeing anything come from this, there is a plan that God has put into place already to deal with every deficit. Most people, when, they, when a deficit hits their lives, most people, the first thing they do is they panic. They panic. The first thing people do is panic. What am I going to do? 
this. Why did that happen? And when you panic, it's hard for you to think straight. It's hard to think straight. This is why police officers, fire, firemen, and people, uh, ambulance, uh, people working in, in, in ambulance and that kind of thing. Uh, what, what, what is that called? Uh, EMTs and medical fields, right? They, they take them through rigorous tests and they simulate issues so that when it happens in real life, they don't fall apart. They don't fall apart. So what they do is they have they have they they, they have a, a um a, a, when when, uh, when the, the, the the firefighters go uh, to, to 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 get their training and stuff they take them into into buildings where the fire is controlled. You have to have you have to have firefighting skills. They have to show you what you did wrong. You have to feel the heat of the fire. Every once in a while, somebody's gonna get burned a little bit. Why is, why is this? It's not them being cruel. It's them training them so that when they get in the actual line of fire, police do it too. They have to take them to training where stuff pops up and they got to shoot. And, and it, that, 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 that wasn't the right person. You shot the wrong person. This stuff has to happen. Why? So that when real life situations hit, they don't, they don't fall apart and just lose it. God has been taking you all year long through simulations. Y'all missed that. All year, the stuff that y'all have been crying about this year has, hasn't even been the real thing. It has been simulations because what God is trying to do is get your heart prepared for how to really deal with stuff that doesn't go your way. He's been trying to help your emotions to get healed from past hurts. That last relationship wasn't a waste of time. It was a test. Y'all quiet. It was a test. That wasn't a real joker. That was really a joker. It was a test because what God was trying to do was to see what you would do with a promise. Question you have to answer is did you fail or pass? Okay, I'll leave it alone. There's a, somebody said there's a plan to deal with my deficits. Jesus' plan to deal with Peter's deficit was, watch this, sacrifice what you have for me. Sacrifice the thing that makes you your money. Give me, give it to me, let me have it, let me do what I want to do with it. Peter could have tried to save what he had like most of us do, try to save his boat in order to get ready to go back out again to make more money in the morning. Watch this. A lot of us unknowingly protect the things that aren't producing. A lot of us unknowingly, and sometimes knowingly, we protect stuff that ain't producing nothing. Think about that. Think about that. You defend a relationship that's not going nowhere. Y'all real quiet. The Lord told me to tell these 10 of you in this room, stop trying to resuscitate dead stuff. You're spending too much time as we close out a year going into a new one trying to clear. You're spending too much time trying to make something come back alive that God said, I didn't want it to live anyway. Can I preach? I've taught a long time, but let me preach a little bit today. Because I feel I'm a little hoarse, but I got a little holler left in me. 
Some of us have spent too much time defending things, defending people, defending parts of ourselves that God is trying to kill out. And God said, as you close the year out, don't try to resuscitate what I'm trying to kill off to bring you something new. Don't let your personal embarrassment cause you to, to not be able to say it didn't work. I tried the business. It didn't work this time. But God has something better for me. Don't be ashamed to say it didn't work. Because the more you try to defend what hasn't worked, you're going to miss what he's trying to bring to life so that it can work. And you'll, be, you'll put all of your energy into, into defending something or trying to protect something that God didn't want you to have. That when the other thing comes, you're going to say no thank you to that because your heart is connected to something dead. Peter could have shut down because of the frustration of non-production. But what did he do? Peter gave what wasn't working to Jesus. <laughs> he gave what wasn't working to Jesus. I know we give him what is working. Lord, take my, take my heart. Lord, just Lord, take this, take this one. But sometimes when your mind ain't working correctly, you say, Lord, take this mind. I'm giving it to you now. Because a lot of us give, give stuff that's not working to the devil. We give it to the devil so he can remix it, do a P. Diddy on it, and bring it back. Bring it back from out the grave so we can have access to stuff that is supposed to be dead. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The word says, old things... Old things should not be resuscitated. Old things should die out so that all can become new. What's keeping you from seeing the new? Behold, I will do a new thing and you're like, we used to be like, oh, glory! Why don't we see that? Because we're holding on to the old. Old things have not yet passed away so we can't see all things become new. Somebody say, I'm going to see new because I'm going to get rid of old. Some of you need a spring cleaning in December. For real, we need a good spring cleaning in December. You need to go through your heart and your mind. This thought is no good. This, this one's gone. This action is no good. Bye. This person is no good for me. Bye. Change your number. Come on. Change your attitude. Come on. All right, I'll leave it. All right, verse number five. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. Now, look at this. You have professional fishermen coming in from fishing all night, all night long, being told, watch this, by a carpenter and a rabbi. To go back out into the water, into the deep at that, and cast their nets out again in order to catch more fish. Have you ever been out 
fishing for a long time, doing it and caught nothing. Jesus is telling them this. What is he telling them? Work with it again. Notice this. This wasn't them defending it. He told them, I'm going to touch this now. So, so he gives them a command and says, work with it again. Sometimes we cut ourselves off the stuff that we need to really hold on to and work with again. Somebody say, work with it. Sometimes the issue isn't that it's not producing as much as it is you needed a word. Everything that's not producing, sometimes it's not producing because it needs to get you to Jesus. Stuff that stops producing, if you're connected to it and it stops producing, it ought to get you so disturbed by it that it causes you to ask God why. And this is what happens. Watch this. He says to them, you've been, you've been doing this for a long time. Go back out. Put the nets back out again, boys. Get dirty again. Because, you know, fishing is a dirty job. When, 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 when Jesus comes and, and, and steps on the boat, the Bible says he sees them washing their nets. They're finished. They're washing the nets. Fish are stinky, slimy, nets are nasty. They're washing their nets. They're taking off all of their, their, their fisherman gear. And Jesus says, I want to use your boat. Cool, let's go. What are we going to do? We're going to go out here and teach. Then after you finish teaching, he says, now, let's go back out here and let's fish again. You know what he's telling them? You're going to get dirty again. You just went through a whole process of cleaning up because you haven't caught nothing. You're frustrated. You're aggravated. But I, I want you to take all of that energy and do it again. What do you do? What do you do when the master tells you, do it again? But you said, I already gave up. <laughs> I'm done with this. Some of us can quit 10 times. I left out of here a whole lot of times. I got to the office and said, I'm done. Somebody else can have the church. They can do whatever they want to do with it. I'm going, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to Africa somewhere. Just, I'm going to pull a Dave Chappelle. I'm going somewhere and just sit under a tree. Just give me some coconut water. And the hay mine for a few weeks and then I'll go somewhere else. I just, just you know, that's how I feel. You know, you feel like that. And, and in the same breath, he says to me, you're going to be here Tuesday. <laughs> going back out there and do it again. <laughs> you flopped today. Go back out there and do it again. You ain't catching nothing. Go back out there and do it again. Nothing's working for you. Go back out there and do it again. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get us to move past our frustration. Frustration will lead you, watch this, to doing things out of anger. And when he tells you to do it, if you haven't caught nothing, and you go a second time out of anger and frustration, you still won't catch nothing because your heart has to be right if you're going to catch something. Tell somebody your heart got to be right if you're going to catch something. Single people, your heart got to be right if you're going to catch something. Married people, your heart got to be right so you can keep the one you caught. Y'all thought I was going to say if you're going to catch something. No, no, thank you. No, you're sorry, I'm too fast for that. If you're going to keep the one you caught, 
Heart got to be right. Watch this. He tells him, put your nets back out again. He tells him, you're going to have to get dirty again. He's telling them, you're going to have to roll back out into deep water again. You're going to have to use muscle again. You're going to have to use force again. Watch this. You're going to have to pray again. You're going to have to fast all over again. You're going to have to deny your flesh again. You're going to have to tell people, I can't come with you this weekend again. You're gonna, he's taking us full circle again. Some of you don't like that because the first time around was a hard pill for you to swallow. It was a lot for you to deal with. But God told me to tell you, roll your sleeves up. 2020 is going to be the year of the catch. You're going to see it happen for you. But if you, the only way you're going to see it happen is you can't be afraid to do it again. Tell somebody, work with it again, work with it again. I just heard the Holy Ghost say, tell, tell 10 of you to break your vow with frustration. Break your vow that caused you to be frustrated. Break those words, I'll never do this again. Break the verbal contract that you made out of your frustrations. And go back to work. Hush, I hear that in the house. He said to tell you, go back to work. You're done crying about it. You're done licking your wounds. You're healed now. You're healed now. Now, he says, get ready to go back to work. You're about to see a catch like you've never seen before. A lot of us have spent so much time crying about what we, don't, what we didn't have. Because you want to know what happens? When you're working at something and it's not working for you, and somebody else is doing the exact same thing you're doing with the same methods but with the same but the same methods they might even stolen something from you and what they're doing it seems like it's turning something over you get frustrated with the whole thing like look take all that i don't want none of it i'm i have enough of me i can start something else i can do anything i'm multi-gifted i'm multi-talented god said yeah you are but go back to what i told you to do Many times the enemy comes in to rob us, hear the word, to rob us, to rob us of seeing manifestation because he knows if we stick with it long enough, we're going to see something come out of it. This is my question. This is a question I've, I've asked God for the last 15 years. Why is it that the ones who are anointed seem like has to work 10 times harder than the ones who ain't living nothing? You a liar, you a cheater, you steal stuff, you rob people of the ideas, you do all this stuff, and it seemed like you prospered. I'm speaking in tongues, laying out on my face, holding up the bloodstained banner, doing all of this, and ain't nothing coming. Anybody been there? It's just me. It's just, that's been part of my frustration for the last 15 years. Why is it that if I'm touching it, it don't seem to be turned over? Anybody been there before? And you see somebody else, and you know they ain't right. How you know? Because I've been around you. I got first-hand knowledge of your, of your messiness. I know how you do. But it seemed like they're flowing. They're flowing. This thing is just looks. Let me help you with, let me help with this. What the Lord said to me, two things. Number one, write this down for some of y'all need to write this out. Number one, stop comparing your anointing. Stop comparing your anointing. Just write that down. Stop comparing your anointing. Y'all got that? Stop comparing your anointing to their sin. 
Stop comparing your anointing to do this to, the, to their, the way that they're doing this out of a sinful heart. Secondly, he said this to me. Everything that looks like it's growing really is not growing. Numbers don't mean growth. In business they don't. In church they don't. It doesn't mean growth. You can have, okay, I'm, I'm gonna give you, let, let me give you a scenario. You can have, <clears throat> let's, say, let's say like you're, you're, you're client driven. You have a business that's client driven. The business is client driven. You can have two clients that give you financially and revenue what another business gets out of a hundred clients. You just need the two right clients. So somebody can come to your, to your daycare center and you got two children here. They go like, this thing ain't, this thing ain't going on. You're going to be closing a month, right? It's going to be closing a month. Now, go around the corner to the other daycare center. They got 400 kids with a waiting list. Watch this. They, they look like they're doing good, but what you don't know is that they're struggling. You have two children in a commercial building, and your bills are paid for two years straight already. Everything you bring in weekly from them is just extra money. What we do is we judge stuff off the eye and don't judge stuff off of the knowing in the Holy Ghost. So one of the things I had to learn was this. I can't judge anything that my hand is attached to based off of anybody else who's in the same field. You will become discouraged instantly if you try to judge what you're doing based on what somebody else is doing and y'all are in the same field. It'll, it will bring you to a place of desolation. You'll feel like, I don't want to do this no more. Because let me tell you something. When somebody's showing you their stuff, they ain't showing you the bad stuff. They ain't showing you the bad stuff. They, they showing you all the good stuff. And this is our newly renovated room. You don't know what's going on in electrical wires back there. Them lights are barely on. Don't sneeze. They, they're gonna show, and this is, our, this is our facilities room, basketball courts, but you can't walk on the court right now. You're like, y'all got a basketball court in here? In your church? This is our weight room. This is our this. this is our, and you're like, wait a minute. I'm having church in my living room. And I, and I, I believe I'm anointed. God, when is my time going? This is what we start doing. When is my time going to come? Y'all like like y'all never been there. No, when is my when is my time going to come? I'm faithful to you, God. Now here we go. Track record time. I'm faithful to you. I've been at this church for seven years. I've been faithful. I've been serving you. I pray daily. I get my tithing off night, robbing you. When my time gonna come, God, I just, I, I need a breakthrough. Now we try to tell them what we need. I need a breakthrough. Could the issue just be that he's looking for you to stay faithful over a little, a little while longer? I'm gonna say it again. Could the issue be that he's, he wants you to be faithful over a little, a little while longer? If you're looking to expand, hear me. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger business. I need more clients. I'm trying to get this to happen for me. And I'm trying everything 
nothing's working. Don't get discouraged by what you see. While we look not at the things which are seen, because if that's all you pay attention to, you can see a whole lot of numbers and be discouraged. You can have a whole lot of money and be discouraged. After you buy everything you need to buy and there's nothing else to fulfill, you'll be discouraged. So what do we look at? The things which we can't see. What is that? I have to have my eyes on God to the point where everything that I need next, he shows me. Notice, he shows me what I need to go after next. Because if it's my pursuit, I'm going to get frustrated. How do you know if it's your pursuit? When you start getting frustrated when you don't see any action. Think about this for a second. I know y'all like, wait, this whole took, this took a turn. How do I know that this is my pursuit versus something that God said? Because he keeps his picture in front of you always. Pastor in the church, it's very easy to get blinded by numbers. It's very easy to get blinded by people. It's very easy to get blinded by, by people. You're just great. You get blinded by that. Some years ago, I got blinded by that, and God had to remind me, you ain't in this for the numbers. I already wasn't in it for the money, but you know, numbers make a pastor feel good. Y'all don't want y'all, y'all don't want y'all to be truthful. Y'all preaching to two people for 20 years. <laughs> Anytime about you in the seal of my apostleship. Your apostleship is kind of small there, Reverend. Every person, nobody in their natural flesh wants to stay small forever. In weight, yes, but not not in, but not like it, but not like in, come on, but not like in, like if I'm trying to, if I'm pushing for something to grow, I don't want to stay small. Why, why, why do I have this business? Because I want it to expand. Right? When it doesn't expand in your time frame, in your, after you pushed, what comes out of you? What comes out of you? Is it more frustration? Because Peter got frustrated. All right, watch this. Watch this. Jesus is a nice guy. He's, he's, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. He's a carpenter. But he's not a fisherman. And he's telling a fisherman how to do his job. Look at verse 5. Simon says to him, Master, Jesus, good carpenter, <laughs> we have, we, we've toiled all the night taking nothing nevertheless at your word I'll let down in that now look write this down transformation doesn't come until you become frustrated you can't be transformed until you become frustrated because he's a Peter's about to be transformed but right now, he's frustrated. He's, somebody said he's about to be transformed. But this is what happens before the transformation. Frustration. Why is Peter frustrated before he's transformed? Because frustration, now write this down too. Frustration opens the door to obedience. Yeah. 
Most people can never be obedient to the next command until they're frustrated with the one that they have right now. Here he is. He's frustrated. I'm, I'm, we're out here, Jesus. You're telling us to go back out here and, and, and fish again? I'm frustrated because I've been fishing. I've been faithful to this. I've been doing this. I ain't new to this. I'm doing, I've, been, I've been out here fishing. I'm doing, I've given it my all. And you're telling me after all, all night long fishing, do it again? He's frustrated. But what is Jesus looking for out of the frustration? Obedience. Jesus is looking for obedience to come out of your frustration. Notice Jesus never criticizes him for being frustrated. How dare you, Peter? I just gave you a word and it came out of the mouth of the Son of God. He didn't do that. He didn't say none of that. He just told him, get your nets, put them down, and go back out there and fish again. Peter comes behind that word with a word of frustration. We've been doing this. You know, Peter was rough. We've been out here fishing, Jesus. We've been doing this. And ain't nothing happening. But Jesus is looking for something to come out of him because obedience is going to move you. I'm going to say it again. Your obedience to the command is going to move you. So the question is, what is he telling you to do now? What is he telling you to do now? I don't know. That's why you can't move. Because you're so frustrated by what you have done and haven't seen that you can't even hear the command for you to get out of this. But he tells Peter, I want to see obedience come out of you. Peter doesn't even know the outcome yet. And without even knowing the full outcome of this, he says, okay, I got it. If he had to guess at this stage of his relationship with Jesus, and at this moment in his career, he probably guessed, he probably would guess that Jesus' advice wasn't going to work. He didn't know him like that. Imagine somebody come up to you, you're having a, 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 a business fair, a business day, and, you, and you're, you know, they're like, oh, you, 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 you're, you're selling your business, you know, what, what is that called, like a business fair? You, out there, you have your business, your little table up, and somebody comes and says, look, if you want your business to grow, this is what you need to do. You need to shut this down, change the name, the color's wrong, blah, blah, and somebody just walks up to you and starts saying that. I'm like, excuse me, who are you? What are your credentials? Whose business have you helped? How many other businesses did you tell to shut down and change the color and the font and the name and they, and they went into multi-business, multi-millionaire business status? Isn't that what we would do? Don't just, tell me, don't just tell me to start changing stuff up and I don't know what your track record is with your information. That's what, that's what we would do. Peter don't really know Jesus. He's, now watch this. He's only just heard him teach. Remember, Jesus walks up and says, let me use your boat. He sits down. Okay, go ahead. They pull off a little bit from the shore, and Jesus begins teaching. Peter sits through one teaching session with, session with Jesus. One session, and deems him worthy enough to listen to him. One session. And in one teaching session, Peter's faith is, a, is at least at the point where he can say, I'll try this. People have been coming to church for years. And Jesus has been preaching to them for years. And he says, step out and do this for me. And they'd be like, I need somebody. I need a prophet. I need a prophet. I need 
Come on, prophet, tell me something. You hear anything in your spirit? You're like, I ain't heard nothing. I can't, hey, bitch, we hear anything. I ain't hear nothing. I need the prophets to tell me something because the prophets don't say nothing. I ain't moving. Jesus told him, come on. People been in church their entire life and still struggling with one word. This man is, this is not just struggling for him for business. This is his livelihood. This is money for his family. This is everything for him. And if he misses it this time, it might be everything for the business. But look what happens. Well, look what happens. Jesus' advice, although he feels like it don't work, he decides to say, I'll, I'll do what you're telling me to do anyway. Verse 6 says this. And when they had this done, after they did it, Look what happens. They enclose a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And then they start beckoning, hey, we need some help. They start beckoning for everybody to come over and help them. Jesus, now this is this, this the whole thing. Jesus wanted to show them, especially Peter, what he could do through them if they trusted him. Notice, he gave the word, but Peter had to do the work. Say, he gives the word. I have to do the work. He gives the word. I have to work. A lot of us, we got the word and expected him to work. You've been got the word on what he wants to do in your life. You can't sit back now and expect him to do the work for you. He did the work. He gave you the word. He tells Peter, now you take your nets that you just washed. Put them back on the side of the boat, but switch them to the other side. And then I want you, Peter, to go on back out there, put your fishing rod down, and come on, let's go. Peter follows him because in someone, Peter, he trusts the word that comes out of his mouth. And when he does this, he starts to see a miracle hit the boat. Hear me, there's a miracle that's about to hit your house. Because today, many of y'all today are going to, somebody say, I'm going to get back to work again. And it's, see, this is the thing. How long is it going to take for me to see something happen if I start do, doing this again? It didn't take Peter a long time to see transformation start to come. It just took obedience. The level of your obedience is going to bring the level of the miracle up. If you trust him enough to step out, if you trust him enough to get back at it and get back to work again, you're going to see instant miracles, instant deliverance, instant financial increase, instant, come on, somebody say it's going to happen right now. Now watch, watch, watch. Peter has to see what, is, what, what could happen through him if he's obedient. It was Jesus' power, but it was their obedience that caused the net break, breaking blessing to come. Many have a word, but they haven't seen manifestation because they haven't followed through totally. You got the word, you haven't seen manifestation, why? Because I did a piece of it expecting to see something happen. Notice, notice Peter didn't just take, didn't take one net and just put it on the side of the boat and say, come on, let's go out here and see if we can fill up this net. Then if we fill up this net, we'll put the other nets down. He got every net, every net, and follow Jesus' command to the T. Put all the nets back out. And then he launched out into the deep. This is what we do. We launch out into the shallow deep. We put one net on. We say, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna see if this can work. Let me, let me see what happens. I don't really, I don't really, really, I don't want to do all the work and then none come from it. You still don't trust him yet. You don't trust him yet. We give God 30%. 
of our trust. And then we say, let me see what you can do with that. Let me see, let me see, let me see the miracle that's gonna hit after this. Then if you prove to me that something's gonna come, then I'll give you the other 70%. And Peter says, no, I'm gonna give it all to you because I wanna see in return everything come back to me. Here's a transformation, verse number eight. We'll close with this, verse number eight. I got five minutes left. Here's a transformation. When Simon Peter saw it, what did he see? He saw the miracle hit the boat. When he saw it, what did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. Get away from me, man. Why? For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Notice what he did. When he saw the miracle and recognized that Jesus could do the impossible through him, he fell at Jesus' feet, not because he was just sinful, but he felt like he was unworthy. Imagine, imagine it, just imagine. Imagine God blowing your mind and blessing you to the point where you start looking at all the sin in your life like, Lord, man, you bless me like, oh God. He says to Jesus, get away from me. He says, depart from me because I'm sinful. What? Now, before this, he wasn't saying nothing about no sin. He was okay with his stuff. He was, come on, up until now, he says nothing about sin. But watch this, notice, Jesus doesn't either. He's a sinful man, but Jesus is still on his boat. Oh. Y'all, if the church could just catch this stuff, sinners are not lepers. They just need a touch. Jesus, come, oh, come on, we got to catch that because someone's too religious. You, you, you out there doing your thing. No, 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 because before you got saved, you were doing your thing too. And somebody had to find you in a sinful place and come on, you need God. He's a sinner. And watch this. A miracle brings up within him how sinful he is. Jesus don't have to say nothing. But the residue of the miracle starts working on the inside of Peter. He sees all the fish and then he looks and sees all the other boats that are affected by his surrender. Oh, the other people that's going to be affected by your surrender ought to make you internal, look internally and say, there has to be a change. Transformation starts hitting the more God starts blessing you. And some of you don't realize this yet, but he's going to transform you by blessing you. Y'all missed it. Peter gets blessed and starts saying, I'm sinful. I don't deserve to be in your presence. Get away from me. I don't need, I don't need you next to me. Leave me alone. I'm a he starts going, now look, look, look what happens. Look what happens. Jesus never agrees with him. It ain't in your Bible. It ain't in your Bible. Jesus never says, yeah, you sinful. But your sinner self. I'm only blessing you because I want this to be in the Bible. Jesus ain't do that. Because look at the next verse. Verse 9. Why did he say he was a sinful man? Because he was astonished. He was taken back. His mind was blown. Why? Not just him, but everybody who was with him. 
everybody else who was fishing with him and caught nothing now had boatloads full of fish and everybody is astonished at watch this at the drought of fishes that they've been taking all the fish they caught astonished them it blew their mind a blessing caused them to realize that they needed to that they, they, they needed more than just fish up until now their pursuit Reese was just fish Jesus says I'm transforming you through a miracle I'm transforming y'all through through this breakthrough of fish because you're starting to see something about yourselves through a miracle that I'm doing because I have need of you with more than just fish Jesus Jesus transforms Peter because he takes the disappointment that Peter now disappointed Peter lets him use a boat disappointed Peter listens to him preach disappointed Peter says okay great he even listens and says we'll go back out and fish again he did all of that in disappointment he did all that in disappointment which says you can be disappointed and still live you can be disappointed and still hear the word you can be disappointed and still try to run your business. You can be disappointed and still have a family life. But, watch what happens. His disappointment transforms into ministry excitement when he sees a miracle. Okay, okay. Jesus shows him uh, a glimpse of what could be if Peter could take the steps to continue to do this. So, let's end with, let's end with verse number 10. End with verse number 10. And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee which were partners with Simon and Jesus now they're the partners but look what Jesus says he said unto Simon fear not I'm a sinner I'm a sinner Jesus said, shh, 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 fear not from today you're gonna catch men he says to him I'm changing your natural desire from fishing fish to fishing men I'm going I'm going to use your life to bring people to me he gives him a glimpse of what he's going to do on the day of Pentecost we don't know how many fish he caught but when Peter stands up and says repent and be baptized every one of you He's preaching to, oh, that's, that's me. It says it's over. Uh, preach, Peter's preaching to thousands of people. But the first time he sees thousands is the day of his transformation. So Peter was not astonished on the day of Pentecost because the day he was transformed, he was getting a glimpse through the fish of what he was going to see in men. And anytime God's going to let you have a, watch this, you're going to have a great ending. He's going to take you through a transformation in your beginning to give you a glimpse. The only thing you see right now is disappointment because that's all you're paying attention to. All you see right now is what's not happening because that's all you're paying attention to. Remember, while we look not at the things which are seen, all Peter could see was what they didn't catch. But God, what Jesus was trying to show him, what you're about to catch. Not in fish, but in men. Now look what happens. Look what happens. 
fear not, from, from now on you're going to catch men. And watch this. And when they brought their ships to land, the Bible said, they forsook all and followed him. Now, oh, wait a minute. Wasn't Peter married? Peter was married. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The man came to shore and didn't even go back home. Y'all quiet. That's what the Bible says. From the moment they got ashore, they forsook all and followed him. Look at y'all look like, and what happened is why? She obviously, I'm gonna help, please, hold on. Y'all gonna be like, she obviously was chosen for him before the foundation of the world because she didn't leave him. She didn't leave him because of his commitment to Jesus. Think about that. You at home, baby coming home with some money. I know he out there fishing. He coming home with some money. She got, probably got word. This man was on the boat and they caught all his fish. She probably like, oh, we going down to the port tonight. <laughs> and, and, and the Bible says, Peter gets up, sees them fish. They leave all the fish on the boats. And they say, where are we going, Jesus? What's next? And people don't like that part of Jesus. Because that's how the Jesus means. I'm going to leave that alone. People don't like that side of Jesus because it, it messes with your, it messes with that family first thing. It messes with that family first thing because Jesus didn't tell Peter to leave his wife and come follow him. But Peter recognized if my wife's going to be home, she got to be blessed. And because the two are one, we're following Jesus. Oh. And a lot of people, especially in this region, there's a demon over here that don't like that kind of stuff. Because what it means is that you can follow Jesus as long as it means that, that, that I'm in front of him. Y'all don't like that. You can follow Jesus as long as I come first. Y'all don't like that. I'll leave it alone. I'm going to say that for another day. A lot of people don't like that. See, y'all with me until I said that. Y'all look like, that thing is out here. Jesus didn't tell him to do it, but Peter recognized in his transformation. I'm going to be a better man in, after three years when I get back here. And, and he was able to go home. Because Jesus went with him to go heal his mother-in-law. So Jesus wasn't keeping them captive. You ain't going back to your wife. You're going to stay here with me. We're going on the road. I'm going to preach. You're going to, fight. You're going to learn. Who the master? He ain't do that. But, but there was, now watch. There was something in Jesus, the transforming power of God that flowed through him, that made those 12 disciples who became apostles so connected to Jesus that everywhere he went, they had to stay connected to him. Everywhere he went, they had to stay connected to him. 
And people would have called that a cult. They would have said that's crazy. They would have said Jesus is manipulating them. Jesus is taking advantage of them. Why he ain't sending them home to his wife? Why, why he keeping the other ones? They got mamas too. They got, Jesus had a mama. And you know what he said? Who is my mother? Except those who do the will of my father. The mentality has to change if you're gonna if you're gonna walk a transformed life. Y'all don't like that. Like I love my wife. She knows I love her. She knows I love her. But here's the thing: if the Lord wakes me up at three in the morning and says, "Pray," if the Lord tells me to come to church and shut in, she may not like it. Y'all quiet. She may not, it, because it may, it may be affecting a dynamic that we got. It may be affecting that. But if, I'm, if I am a transformed disciple, I'm going to have to learn how to keep home happy. Keep home happy. I ain't neglecting home. Y'all quiet. Y'all real quiet. See, that's something I'm looking for out anyway. I'm not neglecting my I'm going to pray going to praise you're like what about dinner figure it out i mean i'm with jesus no you're now you're out of order now you're in your flesh now you see the consequences of a, of a wife who's gonna, who's gonna get in front of jesus we might not see you for a couple of sundays i don't neglect home this is what i have to do i have to take care of home so that i can leave home to be with jesus y'all I'm not, I'm not, she, she's not, oh, um, y'all, family, children, husband, um, y'all ain't eating for the next three weeks because the Lord's calling me into the prayer closet. <laughs> if you have to be in the prayer closet, she's going to freeze some food up. <laughs> I know how to thaw stuff out. And we're going to make it by and by. Y'all get what I'm saying? But, but, but here, here, here's the point. The point is, Peter... James and John were the first ones to leave, who, to make the biggest commitment out of all the disciples because they, they left all, including good money. They could have been like, hey, man, take these fish, get that money, you keep 10% of it, take my 10%, I'll give it to the Lord, and then I'm going to keep the rest of this because on the road with Jesus, we're going to need some money. He ain't telling us how we're going to eat. He just told me that fish could come. But they didn't do that because if he can make fish come through my obedience, then he can, he can let me go. Now watch. He can let me go back to the same fish, open his mouth, and get my taxes. He can take care. Stand your feet. He can take, stand up, y'all. We're we, we going to go. He can take care of everything that concerns me. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. He can take care of everything that concerns me. I had to do that because, you know, people be getting real iffy about that but he, he, can, he can take care of everything that concerns me if I am obedient to him the transformation of Peter didn't happen when, when, he, when he told Jesus go ahead I'm, I'm putting the nets out the transformation happened after the miracle hit and he realized there was something in him that wasn't right that started transformation in him all of the other things was the process the transformation started to him after he saw the fish in his boat and other boats. And he realized something in me is not right. And Jesus tells him, don't fear. Don't fear all the stuff in you that's wrong. Stick with me 
and everything will get better. I think a lot of us need to breathe because we're so uptight about the stuff in us that's wrong. And I don't want to be wrong. Yes, that's beautiful. But sometimes that can lead you to a place of fear to make you keep doing wrong. Jesus dealt with Peter's I'm sinful by telling him stop fearing fear not it's going to be okay Peter responds by saying I'm leaving all of this my last question before we pray is what are you willing to leave in transformation what are you willing because transformation is about the mind and the life changing while he's transforming you, what are you willing to leave and let go of in order to stick with Jesus? Because all of us have to leave and let go of something. There's no way that, that Peter could have could have stuck with the boat and fishing. Talking about Jesus, I'll meet y'all on the weekends. Where you're gonna be at Capernaum, I'll be there. Take a, I'm, 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 I'm gonna ride in the boat and I'm gonna meet y'all. I'm gonna leave the boat on the shore then I'm going to run over to Capernaum then I'm going to come back and, sh and fish on the week weekends then I'm going to come back and say no he had to give up something in order to stay with the transforming power of Jesus what are you willing to give up who are you willing to give up what, what are you willing to let go of so that God can continue to transform you the question really is what's holding up your transformation What's holding up the transformation from happening in your life continually? Bow your heads. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we're going through a process. The process is transformation. Our life is changing. Our mind is changing. Our circles are changing. How we view things is changing. And God, today as we've heard your word, let this be the seed that comes back to be watered and eventually